man, I'd like to welcome you to our service. If you'd like to find your place in Psalms chapter 29. Psalms chapter 29, and I'm going to be preaching on the subject of the beauty of holiness. And it's so important that we be holy because God requires that of His children. And our worship ought to be holy. But our worship won't be holy unless our walk is holy. And the beauty of holiness is found in the heart. And if the heart's right, then our holiness will reflect on the outside. And we can give God what He desires from us in this new year. He desires that we worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful. And God requires that. In Psalms chapter 29 and verse 1, it says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And underline these words. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I lived in France for some time and as a child and every new year and for the month, month and a half after the new year started, the French would greet one another with New Year wishes and they would always wish someone good health and much wealth and lots of happiness is what they would greet each other with. Here in America, a lot of people just say Happy New Year to family and friends, co-workers and things like that. And I like to wish people a Christ-centered New Year because if you'll make much of Christ, He'll make much of you. And you'll have a good year if you make much of the Lord. But here in Psalms 29, God gives us His new year and every year wish or command for us. The first thing that we notice here in verse 1 and 2, it says, Give unto the Lord. This is what God requires for us to present to Him, to give to Him. It says, give unto the Lord, verse 2, the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. If there's anything that's missing in our worship today, it's the beauty of holiness. And we're not just talking about holiness, we're talking about the beauty of of holiness. Uh, in Isaiah, the seraphims, they, they cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Uh, God has not changed. Uh, God is still high and lifted up. Uh, God is still sitting on His throne. Uh, God is still holy, holy, holy. But right here is what's changed. Uh, what has changed is our view of holiness. People will come to church with their minds filled with everything in the world. They'll come to church any old way, coming in here, dragging in here, and, and trying to get out as quick as they can because they're just so busy. And they do not have time uh, to give God what He desires of them, let alone just give Him enough time to work in their heart and in their life. There's very little respect for holiness in the day that we're living in. 
Our minds are filled with the responsibilities of this world and, and, and the wants that we have and the desires that we have. And, and the Lord's not the center of our focus because we've allowed the cares of this world, of this life, to pollute our worship. We've allowed the ways of the world to pollute our worship. Many churches have replaced what they once uh, uh, called sacred and holy music unto the Lord, uh, the Lord with worldly and carnal music that only appeals to the flesh instead of the spirit. Last time I read my Bible, it said that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Where does truth come from? It comes from the word of God. Our music and the lyrics of our songs of worship must line up with the truth. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Where should a song speak to you? It ought to speak to your heart. In both verses here, God has much to say about the heart. Not the flesh, but the heart. When the heart is not right, then our songs will not be right. When our heart is not in harmony with the Lord and the truth of God's word, then our worship is going to be worldly, it's going to be carnal, and it's going to appeal to the flesh. Many independent Baptist churches have started down the wrong path as they are slowly drifting away from the beauty of holiness. Oh, they're still preaching the King James, but they're no longer preaching on holiness. Why is that? Hey, because it's not a popular subject. It goes against the grain. It goes against the flesh. It goes against the course of this world. I hear people say, well, you know, as long as they still use the King James, you know. But last time I checked, holiness is still in the King James Bible. I listen to a lot of messages, tune into jubilees and revival meetings and, and uh, tune into different churches to listen to messages. And, and uh, you know, churches put all their business on the internet now. And it's apparent that many of them have left or are in the process of leaving the way of holiness. Uh, there, 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 there may be a year or five years, ten years from, from, from being completely gone from the way of holiness. You know, YouTube will keep track of the different channels that you go to and, and when you cut YouTube on, it'll pull up these different places that you've been before or things that you've looked up. And the other day, as I cut it on to, to go to a certain place, to, to listen to a message there, tune into a, a revival meeting, and, and listen to that, I, I, I saw a, a little 
screen there and it, it's a church that I'd listened to before. I couldn't believe what I saw right there on that little screen. I mean, this is a church, a preacher. He preached right here at our church years ago. Years ago, many years ago. It's a preacher that I've listened to many times. In the past, his preaching has helped me. I've tuned into their jubilees and, and special meetings and, and I've been blessed in the past by what I saw. And Matter of fact, the first time that I heard about a certain evangelist that, that we use here and comes here and preaches for us, uh, it was at that church that I saw him and God said, hey, you need to have that guy come down. But my, how things have changed over the years. Oh, it's still the same preacher. Still using the King James Bible. But the beauty of holiness is no longer being put into practice. Their choir has went to soundtracks. Their songs resemble more and more the contemporary music of the day. The choir, there's more bouncing around than ever before. It's no longer, and their songs are no longer in harmony with their heart. It's in harmony with the flesh. Young lady singers and middle-aged singers and their dresses are getting shorter and shorter. The, the, the older ladies' skirts and dresses, uh, they, them too are getting shorter and shorter, exposing more of their thighs and their legs, and there's more chest uh, being revealed. Uh, can I just say that is not holiness. That is carnal. That's worldly. And that's fleshly. It wasn't a Christian who invented the miniskirt. It was not a Christian who invented the short skirt for ladies. When a lady comes to worship the Lord, but yet she's dressing from a worldly view, then the beauty of holiness is no longer there. In Revelations 1 and verse 6 it says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever, Amen. We are children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's made us kings and priests unto himself. You know that the priest, and I'm talking about the men, the priest in the Old Testament were not allowed to show their thighs in the temple. They were to be covered when they came into the presence of of the Lord. In Exodus 28, 42, it says, And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. From the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. God called thigh exposure as nakedness. And it had no place in the holy service and worship of the Lord. These breeches, uh, they went down to the knee and, and were worn under other garments just in case something came open. 
I've spoken to our singers here and the ladies here that sing and I thank God for, for, for their, their wanting to, to be holy and serve the Lord in holiness and the beauty of holiness and, and I spoke to them about wearing dresses and, and skirts and we even had Sunday school lessons on this and we taught on this matter and, and on what was appropriate and what was God honoring and what was not appropriate to wear. You know, we, we ask all our ladies uh, that dresses should be to the knee and preferably below the knee and no revealing tops. Going back to what I saw on YouTube of that church that I mentioned who years ago, this same preacher would have never let singers on the platform with short skirts and cleavage showing, but now because of his standards of holiness has changed, not the Lord's, but his, now the flesh is allowed in the worship. But God's standards has not changed. When you remove the beauty of holiness in worship, then the flesh will take its place. I was bothered by what I saw. And, and I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what they sung about because my heart was not in harmony. It could not be in harmony with the song. Years ago when we were on deputation to Canada as a missionary and, and our family and I went to present the work in a church and as I was sitting on the front row alongside the pastor there and, and uh, they had about six, seven, eight steps that you had to go up there from, from the pews up into the platform where the pulpit was and as we sat there they called a, a group up to come up and sing there from the church and as the group came up one of the young ladies there had on a mini skirt that I mean they, there was a lot of legs showing we'll just leave it at that. I spent the entire time looking at the outside wall of the church because I knew that I did not want my mind to be bothered by what I saw. I didn't want to be defiled before I went up to preach. And by the way, here at our church, we don't clap after someone sings. That's what you do for performers. Our singers, the choir, special music, we're singing unto the Lord. And because of that, that, that demands and that requires a godly response. A hearty amen. Hey, if it touches your heart, say amen. If it touches your heart, say praise the Lord. Say hallelujah. Say glory to God. You see, that's what the Lord desires. He says, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. We want to honor the Lord. Any of our singers... For someone to clap for them, it makes them uncomfortable. Why is that? Because they're not performing. They're singing unto the Lord. They're giving Him the glory. And our response should be to give God the glory as well. Our men, when they come to the platform to sing, or our ushers, they wear suit coats and a tie. Why? Because it's about the beauty of holiness. It's not about them. It's not about their style. 
It's about serving the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now let me say this. Just because you dress according to certain standards does not make you holy. I mean, it can look good on the outside and it can look right on the outside, but you can be just as rotten on the inside. But we do, if you're holy on the inside, you're not going to have a problem dressing in a holy way on the outside. And it, can I just say it, if it's good for our singers, it's good for everybody in the church. If you're a lady member of this church, you too are to reflect the beauty of holiness, not your flesh. You and I are kings and priests and God holds us to a certain standard of holiness. And that standard is His, not ours. It's His standard. He is holy. And He said, be ye holy as He is holy. He is our standard. We all represent His holiness at church and everywhere you go throughout the week. Ladies, teenagers, your clothing reflects your inner beauty. Whether it's unto holiness or it's unto the flesh. A casual approach to holiness of God, to the holiness of God is just that. It's casual. And we ought to put on our very best for the Lord. What do you think would happen in the Old Testament if a priest had walked into the tabernacle with his thighs exposed, his nakedness exposed? I mean, I'm talking about after God had already clearly stated how they were to worship uh, in the temple and perform their service in the and what was required of them. What do you think would have happened to that priest? The church, God's house, the place where Jesus meets with us is not a place for the flesh to show itself. It's a place where His holiness should be lifted up. When someone does not dress appropriately, modestly in reverence to the holiness of God, it takes away from the glory that is due His name. We're... God is no longer high and lifted up in our view. We're bringing him down. And that's not where he is. Now, everything I'm saying is in the King James Bible. We're, we're, we're preaching on about what God wishes for you and me to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Our dress, whether man, woman, or, or young person, and by the way, there's only two genders that exist. There's no such thing as a transgender. A person who calls himself a transgender is someone who is in rebellion to God's design and God's purpose for their life. It's man and woman. It's male and female. And our dress has to do with holiness. There was a family here on vacation and they were passing through and the dad pointed over to, I was introduced myself to the family, they were seated there and he pointed over to his daughter and her boyfriend was there and told me where they went to, to Bible college, both the, his daughter and the young man and told me that that young man was a music major there at that Bible college and 
I, I took one look at that young man and how he was dressed, uh, and I immediately knew that that young man would not be a fit here. Why? Because character is consistent. If you only dress a certain way at college because you're required to and you dress down as soon as you're no longer under that rule, then in my Bible it says in James 1.8 that double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A few years ago, a family moved to the area and they had two college-age children and one teenage child and uh, they visited, the mom visited first and then the whole family came the second time and, and uh, they came on two different occasions and immediately they told me that they were looking for a church where they could showcase their children's talents and, and by the way, their children had talent. They said that both of the young ladies were very talented pianists and so I looked at, so for me, I just said, well, I said, okay, I hear what you're saying. Now, I haven't heard them play. But what I did, I just looked at how they presented themselves to church. What they thought about the holiness of God. And mind you, these people had been in an independent Baptist church for a long time. Not, not here, but somewhere else. They moved to the area. These people were not lost people. And the young lady that they were trying to push to play the piano was, was wearing skin-tight blue jean shorts to church. I mean, so tight that if you put a quarter in the back pocket, you could read, In God We Trust. And I thought to myself, I said, yeah, we're going to have to have a sit-down about all this if they really want to join the church. But because I didn't make a big deal about their children... They quickly lost interest in, in, in coming here. I didn't promise them a place of preeminence to get them to come here. The only one that gets preeminence in this church ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they had no concern for holiness. They just wanted somewhere where they could be showcased or put in the spotlight. If you teach in our bus ministry and our Sunday school teachers, you should dress in a way that honors the Lord. You should dress in a way that reflects the beauty of holiness and not your flesh. Lady teachers, your young pupils are the only example of the beauty of holiness that God requires for us to worship Him in that they are ever going to see. What are they seeing? You, you need to make sure that everything we do here reflects God's holiness in our personal lives and in our church life. See, you can't be holy on Sunday and unholy Monday through Saturday because God is not going to be pleased with that. You'll find these principles not just in the Old Testament but in the New Testament as well. It's in our King James Bible. We're starting a new year. And now's the time to make sure that we are in line with what God wants from us, what God requires for us, that God commands us to do. And you know what? As a child of God, we ought to be willing to give unto the Lord what He desires for us. We should be willing to magnify 
His holiness in us. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. And we're going to have to answer for how well we represented His honor and His glory and the holiness that's due His name. Let's make sure that in 2024 that we're beautiful to Him both on the inside and on the outside. Why? Because He's worthy. Because God has not changed. If it ever was right, it's still right today. If someone walks in this church, as we get many visitors that come through here, and we thank God for every one of them, we should not want anything they see or hear, whether in the pews or on the pulpit, to make them think that they are in one of those apostate contemporary churches. They should leave here saying they're holding fast. They worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is still important in the eyes of God. Matter of fact, God requires it. Right here's the question, how well are we measuring up? God has given us a new year to do things better and to bless His holy name. Our theme verse for this year is Psalms 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Everything that we do should honor the Lord and bless His holy name.